Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Welcome home. It is great to be here with you today. If I have not had the chance to meet you, I just want to introduce myself. I am Angel Perovsky, the co-lead pastor here at Radiant Life Church. This is my husband, Lance, for sure, the better half of me, the one who keeps me in line. So you can pray for him as well. He's got a big job, not just running this church, but uh, trying to manage all of this too. So thank you. Appreciate you, who you are. But on a serious note. Notice the wisdom. Like he just kept his mouth shut the whole time. That's why we've been listen. married almost 26 years. Smartest guy I know. No, <laughs> but on a serious level, we're so thankful to be here. And to my right, your left, is Pastor Anthony. He is our campus pastor at Rosemary Community Dinner in Akron, Ohio. And we have some incredible, powerful things that are taking place there. You want to take a minute and just share a quick story about how God's been moving recently? Yeah, so two Thursdays ago, I was out because my wife had just given birth a few days before to our daughter. And uh, we were so excited about that. But like all I heard coming out of that was there's this one guy. Um, who's been coming pretty much since the beginning in April. And every single week, you know, we've just kind of had to keep our eye on him, right? Like he's very open and honest. He was using and had a drug problem. And there's plenty of weeks where like I'm preaching and I'm kind of like watching him thinking, okay, if his head dips any lower, that means he's passed out. Like we had Narcan ready. Like we're, we're just, this is one of those guys. We're just always like good guy, good heart, just lots of issues. And uh, when I was out the other week, all I heard from people was like, this guy, I mean, he just, he just broke down. Like he broke down. He was talking to, to Ben Roberts back there at the sound booth and he just, he broke down. It seemed like there was really some progress that happened. And uh, when I got there this Thursday, I saw him and as he's coming in the door, he says, I'm one week sober. One week sober. And uh, yeah. So that's, that's awesome and that's great. And like I celebrated with him. And then later on that night, we're just kind of standing there before he's getting ready to leave. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, so, I mean, what's, what's different this time? Because he's told me before, like, he'd have a good day, maybe two, maybe three could string together, but like a week, this is huge progress for him. And he was telling me about talking to Ben, and he said, man, I just felt supported like I have never felt supported before. And I think that's such the value of not just what we're doing in East Akron, but also just the value of what this church believes in when it comes to real relationships and life change and specific, specifically community like we're talking about today. Man, just... The, the way that the local church can make a difference in the lives of people and give them hope that maybe they had felt like was abandoned before. Just crazy, powerful, awesome to hear from him and looking forward to more stories like that. Yeah, and thank you so much for your part in that, for partnering with us and just believing in the call and the mission of what God is doing there. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And in case you missed it, if it was glanced over a little too quickly, the first week of this series, three weeks ago, we talked about real relationships. It's the first part of our mission. We believe in real relationship with Jesus and with one another. We also believe in life change, that God loves us exactly as we are, but also is desiring for us to become the best version of ourselves, which is his fullness in us. And today we're, we're going to talk about community. And so there's a lot that we could focus on. There are a lot of different things that are important and a part of the church. But we know that if we have our eyes everywhere, then there, our eyes are nowhere. We truly believe that if you want to make an impact, you got to keep your eyes on the target. And so that's our target. It's relationships with Jesus and one another. It's life change and becoming more like him. And it's in serving and loving and standing with this community through every season. 
season, being a follower of Christ is important to us. And we believe that the overflow of our lives, when we experience Jesus, when we allow him to come in and shift and change our lives, there is just a natural outpouring and a desire that wants to serve his community, that wants to make a difference and recognize that my life is here for more than just my, myself in this moment, but we are here to bring God glory. And so each week we have asked three different questions that have to do with our series, and today's going to be no different. So I am going to pick up with the first one, which is, how am I making an impact in my church? You've heard it said before, if you spent any length of time in the church world, we are the body of Christ. But what does that mean? So I want to dive into scripture and break that down just a little bit. And that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to pick up at verse 12. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And the next couple of verses there, it basically just talks about how we're all unified together and we're all working together. And then picking up at verse 16, it says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And it's important for us to stop right there and recognize that none of those things are sustainable without the other. The ear has to be connected to something. The eyes have to be operated by something. There are nerves, there are cells, there are other organs that are critical to each one of those things operating in the fullness and in the, in the way that God has prepared for them to be. So jumping down to verse 26, it says, and if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And here's where it's at, guys. Now you are the body of Christ. Personalize that for just a minute. Now you, Caleb, you're a body of Christ. Now you, Angela, you are a part of the body of Christ. You, Dave, you are a part of the body of Christ. When you put your name in there, recognize that he is talking to you. You are called to be a part. And each one of you has a part in it. I know this much. I know that the world is looking for hope. It's looking for a reflection of unity. It's looking for some peace. It has no idea where to find it, but church, you and I have the answer. We have the hope. We have the unity. We have the love that people need, and we are called to be the light of the world. What a mantle that we get to carry, that God didn't need me. He could do it all by himself. He spoke the world into existence, and yet he said, Angel, I'm going to use you and your brokenness and all of your weaknesses and your imperfections, and I'm gonna let you be a part of my body because I want the world to know who I am through your life. That is how great our God is, that he desires for each and every one of us to be a part of it because the world wants to know what is true, what is real, what God is doing next, and we truly have the answer, and when people want to know what the world should look like, they should find it in the church. They should find it in you and in me. And so practically, how do we accomplish that? Yeah, so when we talk about, as a church, valuing unity and understanding we're better together, and also seeing that, hey, as a church, we're meant to be a countercultural movement, right? Like, we're not meant to blend in with the culture, because we're, we're, honestly, we're living to a higher standard, and that's not judgmental, like, we're here down there, down there. That's just to say what God's called us to is different. So one of the ways we do that is through serving, 
right? In the world, we see it's really easy to serve people when you agree with them, when you feel like it, when you like them, and yet in the church, you have the opportunity to serve constantly other people, right? To go, I'm going to serve you even when I'm not feeling it that day. I'm going to serve you even when we don't agree with things, depending on where we're at in life and the stage of life and how we see things. Like, we just get to serve because we understand we serve God by serving others, and the way we display unity is saying, man, I'm here to serve regardless of the circumstances. Yeah. Good. How about you, Pastor? Ross? I think for me, it's it's walking alongside each other. You know, so if you take service, we're plenty of opportunities to serve inside the church. But thinking outside, right, the four walls of the church, how are we able to walk alongside people when they need us, right? When there's a struggle, um, I think of Pastor Angel's T-shirt uh, that she used to have, uh, holy enough to pray for you, hood enough to swing on you, I still something got like that. that. Some um, days it's needed. But <laughs> but there's never. I, I think about following after Jesus and looking at his model. There's there is never a good time or a right time, or would it ever be practical to kick somebody when they're down, right. right? We're called to walk alongside, to, to love, and to do life together. And so for me, man, how do I see that as, man, how do we walk alongside people when they really need us? Yeah. And for me, I would also add to that, that we can do that by loving one another, true love, right? Loving in spirit and in truth, in truth and in love. You can't separate those, right? You pick it up. I'm going to keep repeating it until we get it. Because I think sometimes we, we live in such a way that we feel like we have to just kind of watch what we're saying and, and not be completely honest. And then there are other times where it's like, I'm just going to tell you like it is. And I forget that you have a heart and you have feelings too. But God has called us to do both of those things well. And I know that when we create an environment that's full of love and that desires to have an impact, I look at people like our friend at Rosemary who felt safe from day one to talk about what he was struggling with, who felt safe to walk into a room. And listen, we're sharing this publicly because he was sharing it publicly. There wasn't a person that he didn't know that he wasn't like, I'm one week sober. I'm, and we were so happy for him. The celebration that took place in that moment allowed him to be where he was, to be fully accepted, to be fully embraced. And now he has a tribe of people, like Pastor Anthony said, they're gonna walk alongside him, holding him accountable in love, and the, the desire with accountability isn't to hurt your feelings. It's not to come alongside you and go, well, you said you were going to do this. Because also we can tend to do that, can't we? Hey, I'm going to hold you accountable, so now I just use that as an excuse to be mean to you. That is not what God has called us to be. But it's to say, I have seen that in you. I want to pull that out in you, and I'm going to walk alongside you. And when you fall, I'm not going to yell at you for falling. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to pick you up, help you dust, dust off your knees, and we're going to get back into this game together. But we cannot do that without real love and authenticity and walking with each other the way that God has called us to do. Family isn't perfect. We're going to fail you're going to fail. The church is going to fail. God doesn't. And just like our earthly families, our parents, we can tend to get it right and get it wrong. But what we don't do is give up on one another. What we don't do is just jump ship because the season is difficult. Some of us, and I'll use me as an example, I know what it's like to have family leave. I know what it's like to have somebody who's supposed to be a mother or a father not do their job. But too often in the church, what I think we can do is hold up those walls and go, okay, well, somebody hurt me before, so now nobody gets access. Are we family? Are we a part of the body? Then those walls need to come down so that God can have his work happen in and through us. Because we know that church is the family that we choose. And in creating that environment, we can be assured of this. You grow where you're loved, not where you're informed. 
This isn't just about giving you education. This isn't just about giving you what the word of God says, but it's about showing you what the word of God says and about showing you the love that he has for you and for me. And that is what will unite us together. That's right. So that's how we're making an impact on our church. But that takes us to our second question about community. And it's how am I making an impact in my city? Now, when we say city, we're not just talking about the city that our church is in in Wadsworth. We're talking about where you live and here, right? Like there's this, this sense where many of us, we kind of have our, our feet in two different worlds. Um, I live in West Akron, have lived there. I've lived in Akron since 2009, served here in Wadsworth, been on the team for about four years. And I mean, we just love serving the communities, the cities that we find ourselves in. And I remember uh, years ago, it's been about 10 years ago, my wife and I, we started a church in West Akron in the Highland Square neighborhood, and we started in our living room, uh, which was awesome. Awesome, right? Like you just got to clean for a room full of people every single week to have church there. And I remember one of the biggest changes, and by the way, can I just say how thrilled I am to have Pastor Phil and Pastor Emily here. Pastor Emily served on our team at our church plant and uh, still for whatever reason decided to come hang out with us. But uh, man, we just, we loved church planning. It was so exciting, but one big difference was I didn't have an office anymore. My office was my kitchen table. And uh, so I'd be working there. My dog would be like sniffing my feet and running around. And, and I remember one day sitting at the kitchen table, just being really frustrated because I was looking at everything we were doing as a church. And I was going, man, we got some really good quality things here and our hearts in the right place. And we really know this is what God's called us to do. And yet things weren't going as smoothly maybe as we had hoped. And one of those areas was just as we're getting out and, and you know, we're meeting people, people that are coming to church, we're like, we want more people to come. And I was kind of expressing that frustration to God. And I felt just checked in my gut by the Holy Spirit. And the check was this, that you go to them, right? We don't wait for them to come to church. We, we actually go to them, that we're called to serve the communities we live in. The hard part about that is serving where you live is often inconvenient. It takes more time than you would like it to take. It's just a lot more difficult. For many of us, we just like getting from our car into our house or into our apartment as quickly as possible. We try to escape where we live. The heart of making an impact in your city is this, though, that we shouldn't look to escape. We should aim to engage. Don't look to escape. Aim to engage. That where we are right now, you might not always be there, but God has you there for a reason. And so I think back to a study we did on Wednesday nights a couple years ago. Bob Goff, this incredible author, he talked about being present in his home, but I think it's something we can really take and be present in any moment. He said what he'll do is he'll be in a meeting or he'll be at his house and he'll set his feet down on the ground and he just tells himself, two feet firmly planted, fully present. And it's just that heart of, man, where I am, let me be fully there. So the community you find yourself serving in and living in, be there. So here's my question for you guys. How do you personally engage where you live? So what does engaging your city look like? Yeah, for me, it's exactly what you said. It's taking advantage of the season and the opportunities right in front of me. So right now in this season of life, I have a daughter who's in high school sports. And so I'm surrounded with people who I don't normally rub shoulders with. So I make it my mission to get to know those parents, to befriend those parents, uh, to even call out what I see good in those girls. Again, just bridging that gap and being present. And through that, we've had so many opportunities as a church behind the scenes to really invest, walk alongside. We've been able to meet needs uh, through our, um, what's that called? Sporting education? I don't know. The, whatever. I can't find my words. But through the athletic department, that's what it is. Listen, all what right. What you said. Yeah. Your girl's a mess up here. None of you are surprised. That's how we do it around here. You're welcome. But yeah, so we've had these opportunities to just invest in the educational system through the athletic department and just really be present in a variety of ways just by being mindful to develop relationships with the people I'm already sitting next to. 
Yeah, and I think what that is, Pastor Angel, is your intentionality, right? So for me, how do, I, how do you engage the city in which you live in? What, how, what are you doing with your intentions? Like, what are you moving towards? What are you looking for? Uh, so I, I think it's pretty simple sometimes. We can, it can be see a need, meet a need, and don't take credit for it, right? So you see it, you meet it, and then you don't need the credit for it because you're doing it with a heart that's not like, oh, me, 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 me. You know, you're doing it with a heart that says, God, I wanna, I'm intentionally looking for opportunities to engage people for you and for your glory and for your honor. Uh, and it comes about, like as you mentioned, through athletics. So a number of years ago when the girls were really young and uh, Pastor Angel was in charge of all of Wadsworth Youth Cheerleading, met a ton of new families and engaged with them, and it was just great. And uh, one of these families we sit with, because our daughters now cheer varsity uh, football, and uh, they opened up a candy shop here in Wadsworth. If you haven't been there, a little, little plug, you want to go see it. Uh, it's called Sweets on High, and uh, right downtown. And if you can buy the candy at Walmart, you will not find it in this candy shop, because it's, it's old school candy. It's candy like when you thought of it as a kid, and you're like, that's where I want to go. Well, one of their hearts was, man, we want to do freeze-dried candy. And so when they bought, when they opened up the shop, they're like, this is going to be great. They met with the health department and said, hey, what do we need to do to be able to just run this machine um, that was running in their house? Not a huge machine. And the health department came in, and they were like, wow, you're going to need a commercial kitchen. And they're like, okay. And so they started looking at the cost of a commercial kitchen. And they went, that's not going to happen. And so they opened up their business and they didn't have this machine running and we just happened to be at a football game and they were like, yeah, we got bad news and that's going to be the cost. And I was like, we kind of looked at each other and we went, we have a commercial kitchen at Radiant Life Church. Right. I said, well, why don't you just use our kitchen? And she's like, you, you'd let us use your kitchen? I was like, yeah, it's sitting there every week. It doesn't go anywhere. So, so why don't you bring your machine, call the health department. They called the health department. They came in. They're like, oh yeah, this is perfect. You check, you're good to go. So every week they're in our facility making their free-dried candy right here in our kitchen that is just a little rectangle that sits on the counter. And they were like, okay, so how much is it going to cost for us to, to lease this space? And I was like, cost is free. And they're like, it can't be free. And I was like, no, really, there's no cost. Because as, whenever we got here 11 years ago, we said, listen, our heart is not to grow the church. It's to bless the community. Because if you bless the community, the church will naturally grow. And so if we closed our doors and the city was like, man, it doesn't really matter. No, we, if we close our doors, the city should be like, what are we going to do now? People were going to be like, what are we going to do now? And so we have an opportunity to engage because of our intentionality. We saw a need, met a need, and we don't need credit for it. That's right. Now we get to see a candy machine in our kitchen every day. And so your boy's been tempted, but has not sinned, okay? Right. You've been I doing very not, good. I have not stolen freeze-dried freeze Skittles, even though... I might want to, right? It's a real shame when you walk in the kitchen of your own church and you got like the devil on one shoulder. You're like, just take three Skittles. They'll never know, right? <laughs> just being honest, this is a safe place, okay? <laughs> it's community. So here, here's the deal. When we talk about community making an impact in our city, once again, it's always more difficult than we think it's going to be because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you relational equity. It's going to cost you some effort. Uh, but there are some verses in the book of Jeremiah that have for us informed what engaging in our community looks like. And just to give you a little, little bit of backstory, uh, what Jeremiah is about to say might sound really encouraging, but he's saying it to people who have been exiled from their homes and sent to another country. Uh, and at the time that he's writing this and saying this on behalf of God, there's another prophet, a false prophet, who's telling him, hey, your time in captivity is coming to an end quickly. Get ready to go home. And he's trying to get everybody to celebrate. Jeremiah, though, on behalf of God, is hearing something very different. And here's what he says in Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. 
says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled from ba- to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren, so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. In other words, how it goes for you is going to largely depend on how it goes for your community. God tells the people who are looking to escape, don't look to escape, aim to engage. Here's what I want you to do. Build homes. That means you are, are laying down some roots, right? Nobody takes the time, effort, and money to build a house and then three months later go, nah, right? You're going to give it some time. He's saying mar- get married, have children, marry off your children, have grandchildren, build a legacy there. And I love the part at the end of the verse where he says, not just pray for the city, but work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you. Where God has us, he's saying, I want you to fully engage. Don't look past it. Don't settle for just serving in the church, but man, actually serve in the city where you live. Now, that can seem like a daunting task, but I love this quote from uh, Pastor Mark Batterson. He's in Washington, D.C. He says it like this. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. So if we'll take seriously the little everyday interactions with our neighbors, God's going to do something big through that. If we'll take seriously the opportunity to get out and serve other people and say, you know what, yeah, I'm tired, but people are worth being served, God's going to do something big with that. We just have to be willing to start small and say, God, I'm going to trust you to do what I can't do. What I can do is I can show up, I can pray, I can work. We're going to work for the city and the prosperity of it because its prosperity and my prosperity are tied together. We've got to engage the city. So we we walked through our first two questions, right? How am I making an impact in my church how am I making an impact in my city? And then the last question is, how am I making an impact in my world? Right? And you may be thinking like, okay, I was pretty good with how can I make an impact in my church? Like I can serve, I can give, I can be generous, I can, I can help wherever, you know, there may be a need. And then how can I make an impact in my city? I could volunteer, right, in, in, a, in a local agency. I can, I can pray for people. I can pray for my community. But now, Pastor Lance, man, you want, you want me to make an impact in my world. How is it possible that, that God would choose me Right? And nobody from nothing, though. Why is God going to choose me? And how could he possibly use me to make a difference in the world? And this morning, I just want to take a few moments and look at a woman who had an impact in two different countries. And her name is Jochebed. You can find it in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, A man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of the bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds of the riverbank. Now through Jacobed, you're seeing an impact in two countries, that being Egypt and then also Israel. Because her son, even though you may have never heard of Jacobed, her son that she put in the river was Moses. And so now you see Moses all throughout the Old Testament having an impact and being chosen by God to be a leader of influence in multiple countries. So if you want to have impact in your world, then invest in others, right? You want to have an impact in the world, invest in other people, right? We always say like, hey, you need to have a mentor. And yes, you should have a mentor, but I would also challenge you, who are you mentoring, right? To to be able to give of yourself, to walk alongside somebody else, to speak life over somebody else and, and to be able to navigate that. So who are you investing in? 
So she puts her son in a, a wicker basket and puts him in the river, and you're like, that doesn't seem like a very uh, nice motherly task. It doesn't seem like that's the, what she should have done. Well, understand, she knew it was, it was very natural uh, for people in biblical times to be in the river and bathing. They, they felt like it, was a, it would bring them a healthier life. And so it just so happens that she puts her son in, in the river and, and, and down comes Pharaoh's daughter to bathe. And, and understand, you're like, well, how come she was hiding him? Well, Pharaoh had, had, had put out that every young man should be killed. And so now all of a sudden she's hiding and she can't hide him. And so she's going to protect his life and hopefully someone will find him. And it just so happens, the one who made the decree, now it's his daughter who's bathing and finds little baby Moses floating down the river. Isn't it just like God, right? In the midst of a hopeless situation, in the midst of, a, of something you're like, man, how is God going to make this possible? Put him in the river. Because that's what everybody would choose. Throw him in the river and surely goodness will happen. And here is, here is Pharaoh's daughter. And now because of this, Pharaoh's daughter is like, okay, we're gonna take this baby in and this is gonna be great. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, who can feed the baby? And it just so ha- happens, Jacobed's like, I got this, right? Because it's her son and she's, she's gonna take care of it. But, but Moses was able to receive an education that he wouldn't normally have received. And that prepared him for every great work that God was going to use him for. And I, I love how God often raises up friends for his people, even among their enemies, right? This isn't, we're like, no, God would choose somebody who's really close to you. No, God, God's gonna choose anyone, anyone to work through. And so he chooses someone that, that he didn't even think would be possible. And, and now Moses is ready to go. And where did it start? How did Moses get on this leadership track, this course? It started with a mom who was willing to invest in her son. And it's through that investment of putting his interests first that it, he made an impact. And his impact changed the world. So if you want to have an impact in your world, inv- invest in the lives of other people. Pastor Anthony mentioned a, a video that you'll see uh, next Sunday uh, with a gentleman um, by the name of Don Triplett. Uh, him and his wife, Terry, they've, they have been in El Salvador for over 33 years spreading the gospel. And uh, I know many of you have had an opportunity to take a trip, a mission trip to King's Castle. And it's just so awesome that we have partnered with them every step of the way. Well, in this video, you're going to hear that in 2023, they have a great vision. And that vision is that every child, not in a city, not in a community, but every child in the country of El Salvador would have an opportunity to find and follow Jesus. Their goal, their dream is that they would have over 400 teams come in this year to be able to help assist and make that vision happen. Do you know, what, do you know how that started? It started because Don and Terry Triplett were in a church and God used them to have an impact. And then they were in a city and God used them to make an impact. And then they said yes, and God's using them to make an impact all over the world. And so I wonder if God's just waiting for us to say yes. So how do we have such a great impact? Maybe we should look at the life of someone, that being Jesus, who had the greatest impact of anybody in the world. So what are some ways that we see through the life of Jesus that we can impact our world? Yeah, I think if we're going to make an impact, then we need to see what Jesus saw, which means that we're going to have to strip away some of the filters with which we look at the world with. So the filter of religion, the filter of preference, the filter of our political stance, our our social economical status, all of those filters need to just go away and say, God, show me what you want to show me. 
Show me what I need to see in this person because there are no two people in the world that need to be met the exact same way. As sure as every one of our fingerprints are different, the hearts, the past, the emotions, the spiritual condition of every heart is different. And when we are surrendered to what Jesus wants us to see and our eyes are open, we're able to meet people exactly where they need to be met, exactly where they are, and he will give us what we need to sustain that and make that happen. That's right. And I think if we want to have an impact on the world, we also need to feel what Jesus felt. And I understand this, that that's not something you could just like force yourself to do, right? Like I can't just be like, all right, got it. This is a work of the spirit, right? So it takes time. It takes a closeness with God to say, God, I, I don't just want to see what you see, but I want to feel what you feel when I look at people. And it is difficult if we're being honest, just the day and age we live in to not politicize people or put people kind of into a camp based on what we assume to be true about them, but to really love people where they are. Because when you read the gospels, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see Jesus interact with lots of different people at lots of different stages of life. Some of them have hard times because of what they've done. Some of them, it's just things that have happened to them. Some of them are prideful. Some of them are humble. Every person he meets though, he felt love for them. He felt compassion for them. So if we're going to make an impact on the world, we have to feel what Jesus felt. That's good. And lastly, if we want to have impact in the world, then we need to do what Jesus did, right? What did he do? How did he love people? How did he sacrifice for people? And I love that he got involved. He just wasn't a spectator. He was a participant. And man, I love seeing that because sometimes being in people's lives can get a little messy, right? Doing what Jesus did, we can get a little messy because we have to get into the mess to bring the message, right? To offer hope. We got to be a part of what they're doing. And sometimes I think we can make big excuses, like it's too risky, it's too big, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't, I'm too poor, I'm too rich, and we have these excuses. I love at Rosemary on Thursday, um, we were there, a young boy was there named John, and um, he, he was packing up some meals, and he, took, he was taking meals home to his family, and it was a torrential downpour, and um, he decided for whatever reason to come back. And when he came back, I was just chatting with him, and he's drenched, and he's like, oh, man, I'm all soaked. He goes, but when I was leaving, the, the one guy that comes here, uh, he's in a wheelchair, and he has his leg amputated, and he was, man, he was just getting drenched. And so, I mean, I tried to come, come and help him out and, and put an umbrella, and he goes, and so I dropped my bike, and I, I went along the way, and I was like, right there, John, you, you did what Jesus would do, right? You saw a need, and you went after it. And it's just a young boy, right, being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, man, I hope that we would take to heart that, man, will we be willing to do what Jesus did? Because there's no excuse big enough to disqualify you from the work of Christ. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too rich. You're not too broke, right? You're not, you're not too busy. There's, there's, there's plenty of enough for us to be able to say, God, what part do you want me to play in reaching my world? Because I want to do what you did. I want to love people the way you love people. And so will we say yes to doing what Jesus did? That's right. I think a great exercise today, if you catch yourself making excuses, which by the way, if you're here, you make excuses, right? Um, but if you catch yourself really making excuses and leaning into those, man, I'd suggest write the excuse down, like look at it for what it is, and then invite the Holy Spirit to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what's the truth you would say to that excuse? Because if we say things like the most common excuse, we don't have time, but the Holy Spirit, I feel like, would tell us in love is, hey, you have as much time as everybody else, so what are you going to change, right? We can't let those excuses stop us. Uh, so, you know, having a, a newborn baby at home, like you have a kid, your schedule's changed, right? So my schedule recently has meant having more time driving my kids to and from school. Uh, so we have plenty of time in the car. So I've been listening to this book. It's a really excellent book. If you're a parent, you should definitely read it. It's called Habits of the Household. And in this, he's talking about like how they do time together as a family. And while I'm in the car listening to this uh, book, he talks about how the car for them isn't for screen time. It isn't for all these other things. The car is for conversation. 
and I'm listening to it, and it hits me in that moment, oh, I should probably press pause on the book that says the car is for conversation and have a conversation with my kids. And in the heart of the book, what I love about it is he just talks about how if you're going to raise kids in a godly way, it's going to take intentionality, right? You don't just fall into the right habits. You have to intentionally create the culture in your family that allows those things to grow. And it's the same way with loving our city, engaging our community, serving in our church, serving our world, we've got to have some intentionality about us because we realize this, that making an impact doesn't happen by accident. We don't fall into making an impact very often. You might stumble into it every once in a while, but more times than not, it's gonna take the intentionality to say, once again, here I am, two feet, firmly planted, fully present, that I'm engaging everywhere that I am. The curse, though, once again, of our culture is we tend to think of making a difference as being something big. And we think, well, when I really make a difference, when I make an impact, it's going to be on a grand scale and it's going to happen from a stage or it's going to happen because I have a significant voice or something I do, something I post goes viral. And then it's going to create this platform for me to make a difference. And yet the truth of the scripture and the truth of our lives is that making a difference happens one small step at a time. That it's one interaction and then another interaction followed by another interaction. And if you stack up enough of those, guess what you get? You get a big impact. The fight we have is to make sure we don't get discouraged with the small things. That's why I love in the Old Testament, Zechariah 4.10, as he's talking about, and he's talking to the people about God, he's, it says this, don't despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. What Zachariah is doing is he's trying to encourage the people. He's like, the fact that you're starting, that brings joy to the heart of God. The fact that you're doing something that seems right now small and insignificant, that brings joy to the heart of God. For us, we've got to leave here going, I'm not going to make an impact by accident. So I've got to ask myself this question. What's one small step I can take today to make an impact? One small step. Every, every one of us has that. For you, that small step might mean walking slowly from your car into your front door. It might mean sending a text or making a call that you felt like you needed to make for a while. It might mean that you walk out of here, you go out to the right to the connection center, you sign up to serve. And that might mean if it's a small step, you're not signing up for every area and bite off more than you can chew, but you're like, hey, I can give one area this time once a month. God rejoices to see the work begin we just have to be people who are comfortable taking one small step. So what's one small step you can take today to make an impact? We're going to end service a little different today. So if you would stand up on your feet with me, uh, we're going to dismiss you here in just a moment. Um, but while we're dismissing you, we have an opportunity for you as we're in the midst here of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, I'm going to invite our board and our staff, if you guys and their spouses, if you'd like to come up front here. And uh, just be ready for people here in just a moment. So what we want to do is just open this opportunity. If this is your time and you're like, hey, I got to get out of here. I got to get my kids. Make sure you take that sticker, go out into the right and get them where you drop them off. If you're new and you want to connect with somebody at the Welcome Center, get your free gift. Just go out into the left. But if you're like, hey, I just, I really want somebody to agree with me in prayer. I got something I just want to bring up, something I want to be specific about, something I want to be encouraged in. Uh, these people are here up front to pray with you. And so as we get ready to go, I'm going to pray when I'm done praying. If you need to go, hey, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for our midweeks and these awesome classes that we provide. If you'd like to stay and pray, 
we're open here up front as well, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for how you're not just working in us, but also how you're working through us to make an impact in our church, in our city, and in our world. God, I pray that you would just encourage us to take the small steps seriously, to really focus on what you have for us that's right in front of us. God, for those of us who maybe don't feel like we can make a difference, we don't really believe in ourselves, I ask that you would help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, that you would see the potential that you've given us. You could see the abilities and the capabilities and the giftings that you've given us so that we can really use them to advance your kingdom in our church, in our city, and in our world. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and it's your name we pray, amen. Amen, if you'd like to pray, we're up here for prayer. If not, we'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great day.